1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm that other twat, Lee Gillis, and we're back after a an unenforced break. We decided not to do our show last weekend with the, the East Fife game being off. We're going to get into all that. We're going to get into this week's game, some of the other talking points around Scottish football as well. But before we get into all of that, let's get a word from this week's sponsors, Lee. So we're going to go back a
2: few weeks and we did the donate a ticket. So we've still got a, a good few people to go through from that. So takes a deep breath. So big thank you to Alexander Anderson, Paul Forrester, Craig Brown. We also had Max McCarroll, Neil Donaldson, Chris Ward. Also great um Charlie Simpson. Sorry I'm having to scroll down on my computer here because there's so many. Michael William, uh, Michael Wilson, Austin McKenney. I hope I pronounced that right, and of course the good old man himself, John Scott New.
1: So thanks to one and all. I mean, I we said this on, on our last show. It was just a fantastic response that that we got from that Lee. And I mean, hopefully we won't have to do it too many times this season. Because I mean There's a lot to talk about. Fans could be back soon. We've had COVID postponements. We've got a game to talk about. I want to start off, though, by talking about the game that didn't go ahead, the match against Clyde. And it's it's thrown up a lot of interesting talking points. East Fife, obviously the home team in that. Clyde, the team that was hit with positive COVID tests, meant the game was called off. East Fife having to refund money that they take in for pay-per-view streams, stuff like that. It means a week that the club goes without having any money. Clyde, not punished because it looks like it's been deemed that they weren't able to kind of stop the outbreak. As we know, things are pretty bad out in Lanarkshire Way and round about Glasgow area and stuff like that just now. But it, it does throw up a lot of how this impacts the clubs when a game like this does get called off.
2: Yeah, I I think there's going to be a lot of ambiguity around that because I'm not entirely sure that the fact that four or five of them have tested positive—I think it was four at the end—tested positive. You you can't tell me that they've been respecting social distancing between them if they've caught it. Um, You know, have they been wearing masks? Have they been cashing? I I think that there's there's a lot. uh, There's going to be a cloud of ambiguity over that. I, I, I personally think that the fact that so many of them tested positive means that they've not followed the rules and therefore should be punished for that personal opinion, um, of course, but equally, you know, you you have to look at what happened this week with the likes of and I think it was at St Mirren they they were um, given automatic 3 defeats. So, uh, don't get me wrong, I I think that a a defeat and losing points is a bit harsh, but equally, you know, as a club, we were ready to play. There's only four players that were out, but you're not trying to tell me if East Fife had four players injured that we would have been allowed to request a... postponement so there's a lot of confusion for me um, and why they're allowed to, to, to postpone it if there was only four of them
1: it's definitely gray areas because I mean way back in the day when we had our Trinidad and Tobago guys infamously it's just a great fact which some of the the more younger viewers might not even know we had a game called off because the three of them went away in international duty So three three of your players went away, the game got called off, and that was just three players. So, I mean, if four were injured, as you say, the game wouldn't get called off. I I think the worry was possibly because they're not doing testing throughout the whole team. It's not like a premier team where you can get the whole team tested on a regular basis. There was a risk that some of the other cloud players could have it then pass it on to our guys who would then spread it here so I mean I think it was right that the game got called off in that regard but yes should East Fife be the the team that's responsible for it because if our if our players came down with a COVID outbreak and we lost the game because of that I'd be like yep fair enough it's not the other team's fault that our guys came down with it so I'm not just saying that we should be handed the win because we were the ones that that lost out on a home game I'd have said the same if it was the other way about.
2: Yeah. Um, again, I, th- I think there's going to be varying opinions on it. I, I don't think that there's there's anybody that's opinion is going to be right. There's anybody's opinion that's going to be wrong. But like I say, if it had been four general injuries, the game should have gone ahead. If these players are all following, uh, following NHS Scotland protocol, they should all have track and trace on their phones. So if they've all had track and trace on their phones, then if anybody else, if they should all be told to to either isolate or get tests. And and that's not what's come out. So we don't know. The only people that really know the answer to that are obviously Clyde themselves. But they're not going to obviously publicly admit if if they've breached protocols for fear of being fined or having points docked. So it's precarious to say the least.
1: The other thing that's happening here a lot with teams is Things aren't getting fully disclosed because they're using private, confidential, patient information to to not disclose stuff. And it's just thrown up a lot of things. There was an, an MLS playoff game where one of the teams was missing seven players through COVID. That game went ahead. They actually won the game because it was only, I think, one like regular starter that was out and the other six were kind of like guys that would have come off the bench. But it meant they couldn't really make subs during the game because they didn't have uh, many players to bring on. But that was seven guys out and that game went ahead. Yeah, But then they are doing regular testing so they could test everyone else. And that is the problem we have in the lower leagues. We can't afford to do regular testing, but if we don't do it in an abundance of caution, I think you kind of have to... To call the game off I mean I don't know test and trace isn't working well here I don't know how well it's working over there but if it's working well then yeah if they could prove that they went in contact with those guys then there would have been no reason to to call the game off
2: but you know uh, were they having a couple of injuries that maybe we don't know about as well and, and these are all the things that the, the cynic in you thinks mm. they're at it you know what I mean they're, they're at it you know all right yeah we've had four cases fine you know by all means protect yourself, protect your families, protect our players, totally get that. But the cynic in you start thinking, I wonder if they had a couple of injuries to, to key players. And we don't know the answer to that.
1: We don't. The, the nightmare for us, of course, was by not playing, it put us bottom of the, of the division as well, which even when you've got games in hand, when you're at the bottom looking up, it's worrying. I'd rather have points on the board always than games in hand. But I mean, we'll, we'll come to that because we, we did have our game this week at home to Airdrie. You were at the game, Lee. And I think that's a, a good time now for us to get to this week's five Fan Zone.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to this week's Five Fan Zone and it's on the back of a win and a clean sheet. I can't believe it, I've, it's been the first time I've had a clean sheet since I was 13 years old and it's equally as exciting as it was that time. Brilliant. So joined this week by the usual handsome guests of Doug Perry, Gordon Henderson and Michael McCall. So talking about performance, complete performance I would say Doug. Yeah, I
3: mean, it was. I was quite nervous about the game today because obviously we hadn't played for a couple of weeks and I felt like the Clyde game was going to be quite big to maybe try and get a result to build towards these ones and Airdrie have started well and are quite fancied but it was very, very easy and comfortable today. Um, so, yeah, a, a
2: joyful Saturday for the Fife fans. So, Gordon, what did you make of Airdrie I don't know about you, but I was, like my, um, like Doug was saying there, I was, I was quite nervous um, about playing there, Drew, because, I mean, some of the signings they made over the summer were, were excellent. You know, Ian Murray's a, an accomplished manager, was a, a good player, seems to build decent squads. And I, I just couldn't believe how poor they were.
4: Yeah, I'm the same. I, I wasn't expecting us to win today. I thought this was going to be a really tough game. Um, I was a wee bit disappointed the Clyde game was off because then I thought, oh, we'll play Airdrie and if we lose that one, you know, things are looking bad. But um, yeah, not not as good as I was expecting them. I and mean, part of that's, you know, you've got to put down to us playing really well, but they kind of looked very, you know, balls into the box, long throw-ins, that was about it for them. Um, they didn't really, there was at no point that I think, oh, they're cutting us open or... They look really dangerous. I mean, they had spells where they had more of the ball and they had more pressure. But it was the first game this season where I've thought at no point was I really worried about them uh, kind of cutting us open or creating anything. So uh, as good as we were, I, I thought they were quite poor. Michael,
2: I think one of the, the big things that, that everybody seems to notice was that change of formation today. It took me probably until the second half to realise that I think it was potentially a four four one 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 or a four five one. 5 I think it looked like Ryan Wallace sort of had a, a free role, but I thought he was absolutely excellent today. He was everywhere. Anything that came good of, of any of our plays, he was either at the forefront of it or creating something. What did you make of the of the new formation?
1: I mean, I, I liked it. Something had to change. And we also, like, this was a game... We had to get a response from the players. They had to kind of stand up and, and show exactly what they were. And I think they did that. It was a great response. The formation worked. I mean, you talk about Airdrie being poor, and they were. They surprised me as well. Like, I mean, like Gordon, I didn't expect us to to take much from this. I, I fancied us to, to lose this one. But it's like, how much were they bad, and how much did we make them look bad? Because up front, in particular, Hamilton and Wallace, and I think it might have been four, four, one, one. It was kind of hard to tell. So maybe the shape wasn't great. But I mean, they they just tore them, especially like Wallace just tore them a new one, and they were really struggling to to defend those two. And our defence just was pretty much untroubled. I know where Dre hit the crossbar early on. And it's like a game of fine margins if that had gone in, we might have been looking at a whole different game and a whole different result. But that aside, we weren't troubled at all. And I think he has to stick with this formation. Now for a couple of games just to try and bed it in and, and make sure it can work.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I could disagree with any of that. I think that, that you know something had to change. What we were doing wasn't working and we've got to... Tip our caps to the the management team that they've went. You want to know what? Yeah, things aren't working. Let's make a change. They've made a change, and yeah, it's been effective. I think, you know, there was a bit of a, a change up. we having Craig Watson at the back, um, who I thought looked a little bit nervous in the first sort of ten to fifteen minutes. Being at the ground today, there was a lot of shouts coming from the the sidelines about I'm I'm not holding his line as well, and it didn't, it wasn't really until the they shouted that that I started to notice that his partnership with Higgy maybe was going to be a little bit shaky to begin with, but I just felt that they both grew into the game and neither of them really put a step wrong. And probably for the first time this season, the 3-2-1 probably going to be the most difficult part of the show because there's not really anybody that we could put at fault. I thought Stuart Murdoch was excellent today. And one person that I do want to shout out is Pat Slattery, who I thought was excellent. Um, and definitely his game of the season so far going forward, they added a lot. There was a couple of straight passes here and there, but you want to know what, when, when you keep a clean sheet, and it was definitely a marked improvement in terms of performance. When you think about the the new formation, Doug, it seemed to free Scott Agnew up a little bit more and we, we started to see a, a touch of it. I'm not going to say the full Scott Agnew of old, but definitely flashes of the brilliance that we've seen from him in previous seasons.
3: Yeah, he was definitely able to get on the ball a lot more um I think I in my head I thought we played three at the back um I thought Slattery and Dunsmore were sort of wing backs which I, that was my take on it anyway um I, I also think that's maybe why Dunsmore was quite quiet. I, I think he was wanting a very solid five it was what again what I read of the game um which kept yeah kept us very solid at the back. That extra cover at the back allowed Slattery to play up a bit further forward without any pressure, really, uh, of getting done in behind because they had the extra centre-half, which also meant because you had that, again, how I looked at it, three in midfield of Davidson, Newton and Agnew, it meant you had always that extra cover player, which meant Agnew could play. And if he got a bit lost, then the other two sat behind. And I thought Newton was quite effective because he was, you know, they had that extra man in midfield. Um, this is why I love uh, football. That <laughs> I, I I generally saw a completely different formation. I, I don't think we played for the back personally.
1: It's hard to tell in the stream though a little bit as well.
3: Yeah. No. I, do, do you know what? I, I mean, Lee's bang on. In terms of a 3-2-1 it, it's very very difficult. I, I just thought we were just very very good. I mean. A, a huge shout out to Kenny Duker, um, who will have a poster of Ryan Wallace on his uh, on his bedroom wall forevermore. Because I don't, I don't think I've ever heard a, a man adore another man like that. It was since Brokeback Mountain. It was beautiful. It was beautiful.
1: Oh, you should hear me talking about Johnny Russell on our show over here. It's like it was pretty much the same. He was outstanding today. I hope they get him back. I really, really enjoyed listening to him.
3: Johnny Russell played for Wraith Rovers. That's all
2: I'm going to say.
1: Yep, and if you ever want to
2: know where Michael's true allegiances lie, then they're starting to shine through. But no, I did manage to, to, to grab a quick word with, with Kenny at halftime today. And I say a quick word, but I spent the entirety of halftime talking to him. Um, and, you, you know, you, you've, you've put it perfectly there. There was a complete love affair with, with Ryan Wallace, but he also spoke really passionately about Jack Hamilton. And there's a lot of similarities in, in Kenny Jukan and Jack Hamilton. And, and I wonder if anybody else picks up on that, just that physical presence the, the touch, the controls, finishing. There, there's definitely a lot of likeness to them. And that seems to be the sort of striker that we, we love at Bayview. But you, you spoke about somebody today that, that, that made a, another league start under their belt, and Liam Newton. And I thought he did a, a good job today. I, th- I think at times it, there was maybe, again, a, a misplaced pass or maybe a little bit of hesitation that a, a more experienced player would have maybe taken a shot rather than passing it or whatever. But he seems to be a player that is definitely going to grow in stature and looks like we could have a decent player in our hands, Gordon. Yeah, I
4: thought he played really well. I thought thought it was a 3-5-2 as well. So I thought it was uh, the midfield three, Davidson, Agnew, Newton. And I thought, I mean, Newton's looked like a good player. I think if if there's something, I feel maybe he sort of... Which is understandable because he's he's so young, but he doesn't maybe doesn't impose himself so much on the game as as uh, you want from a centre mid. Um, but he looks a good player, and and that will definitely come. And I think maybe playing with three in the middle is, has helped him a bit there. Obviously, um, you know Agnew's a really experienced player. Davidson does a lot of the kind of dirty work, which you know, which maybe doesn't put so much pressure on you as A centre mid, but um, yeah, I thought he, he played really well today. He kind of um, you know, he's got a bit of everything about him, he gets stuck in, and he's good going forward. So, yeah, I think he's a really good prospect,
2: Michael. We're going to have to talk about this man again, Jack Hamilton. He got two today, he, he took both his chances excellently, and the second one he essentially created for himself in terms of his pressing. But equally, you know, he, he could have had three or four. There's was, there was a couple of chances that he could have sort of definitely stuck away. I get this overwhelming feeling and nervousness that it's only going to be a matter of time before clubs start going, wait a minute, this this guy's banging in a lot of goals. I, I hope that there's not a recall clause in his contract for January. But, I mean, what what's your thoughts on Jack Hamilton? I mean, you're obviously really old, so you've seen a lot of... Strikers down there, uh, down the years at, at Bayview. But where does Jack ranks from what you've seen so far?
1: He's the kind of loan signing that other teams have always seemed to get. Like so many other teams bring in a guy on loan who lights it up in the lower leagues. And we've never, well, n- not never, because we have had a couple, but we've seldom had guys that have kind of come in and done such a good job. And I know it's early days. I I think it would, maybe this is just like my heart talking here, but I think it would be foolish to bring him back into the Premier at this point because he's going to learn so much playing in in League One this season that's going to make him a better player. If you call him back to to maybe sit on the bench and just come off the bench, and we talked about this before, it's going to hit his development. I was wondering myself, though, during the game, when he got that second, I was like, I wonder if there is a recall clause or if it's guaranteed that we have him for the whole season. So that'd be something worth kind of checking out with, with Tony or or Darren. He was outstanding today. And that second goal, I think, it just showed the hustle. He didn't give up on it. He should have had a hat trick. He should have had maybe more. I mean, that's something I'm sure we'll talk about as well. The team should have had more. That was way more than a 2-0 victory. We should have had four or five or six I mean, you look at the goal difference just now in League One. We needed to get more than two goals, I think, today because Airdrie's got a good goal difference. That would really have hit them hard. And that could be the team that we're we're fighting for for fourth come the end of the season. But I mean, he he looks obviously not the finished article, but he looks a guy that's got a very bright future ahead of him. And I do see the similarities between him and and, and Duker from back in the day. Maybe it's just the hype. Maybe it's the clinicalness, the just the eye for goal. If he gets ten chances in a game and misses eight and scores two every single game, I'm I'm happy with that. But for his own development, he needs to start taking a few more of them.
2: I've already said on Twitter today, Doug. You know, it's Jack Hamilton's world, and we're all just living in it. You know, he just seems every week to to be more and more impressive, and seems quite an unassuming guy, but. He, for being such a, I'm not going to say a big guy, because I don't think he's, he's massively tall, but he, he seems very sturdy, really athletic, agile, and a lot. He, he looked today deceptively quick for his size. You know, where, what about yourself? I'm a year old too. So where do you rank him in terms of the, the strikers that we've had down the years? I, I think he's definitely up there with our best lone striker. I think the only two that I could think of that would come close certainly in my lifetime, it would maybe be Curtis Byrne, Rob Ogilvy, that I could think off the top of my head made that sort of immediate impact.
3: Uh, I I mean, I would put him 400 times better than both of those. Um, A little bit Craig O'Reilly, maybe his very first spell when he came on loan was very pretty lethal. Um, I think what's impressed me the most about him is he started playing in the Premier League this year. He played a few games, he played you know, most of the game against Rangers, I, I watched on TV and for a guy to then, it'll feel like a little bit of a kick in the teeth to be sort of, you know, punted out and low to League One. He's not sulked, he's kind of gone, right, you know, I'll, I'll show them that I'm a good player and he's, he, God, he, he definitely is and, um, you know, God himself, Kenny Duker was talking about the runs he was making, you know, for the through balls where he was dragging defenders all over the place. And, you know, strikers like he's going to miss chances for sure. But I, I, I thought his finish for the second goal because it was superb because the keeper rushed out with a little rush and I, I was screaming like, you know, chip him, chip him, you know, because I'm a great striker myself. Um, and just that composure to just wait and just roll it underneath, I thought it was absolute class, absolute class, especially for a guy who, who had missed a couple of chances. Um, there's always going to be a threat he'll get recalled. Obviously, Livingston losing their manager is not a great thing for us in that respect. But there's a big jump between League One and Premier. And, you know, they'll probably look at it and Embiid, like we've said before, I think they'll be more than happy for him to bang in goals for a whole season here and get supreme confidence and then go there back for next season and, and see where they're at. So, no, I'd be very surprised if he's not here for the season. And he will
2: be the difference for me, as to how we do it at the end of the day. I think him keeping fit is, is massively important because when you look along from previous seasons, outside of our strikers, we're not contributing as many goals for the midfield. So if you think about the goals that Dunsmore scored, Aggie scored, you know, in years gone by, they don't seem to be coming. So keeping him and Wallace fit is, is massive. And, and speaking of Ryan Wallace, you know, I get Kenny Joker's love affair with him. I really, really do. Um, he was he was absolutely unplayable today, like all over the park. I mean, he even came back to, to almost left back at one point and stuck in a challenge, you know, that was superb. You know, it was one of those ones where if there had been a crowd in of the Day, it was definitely it gave a big roar. Gordon, where, where do you put Ryan Wallace in terms of important? Um, how important he is to the team? Because for me, alongside Jack Hamilton, it would be a tough call between the two of them who would be the first name in the team sheet.
4: Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Hamilton and Wallace, the two of them, uh, they look... You know, every season there's one or two players that you think... You know, most players, if they pick up a knock you can put someone else in, doesn't make that much difference. I think Wallace, so far this season, Wallace and Hamilton have been the two players who you're like, you really don't want to be missing one of those. Those are the two that uh, would be the hardest to replace. I mean, we don't really have someone like Hamilton um, and Wallace has just been so good. Um,
0: even his
4: first spell at his Fife, one of the things about him, is a good player, but one of the things about him, he's a, he's a total pest you know he must be so difficult to play against he you know he harasses defenders and when when he came to his fife the first time that was the first player i'd seen like that at his fife i hadn't seen a a striker who sort of defended for the front and just put pressure on defenders all the time and um, and he's still like that i mean he, he doesn't have the pace that he maybe had when he started but he's still you know he must just be so annoying to play against um and Hamilton must be as well. You know, that second goal, he, he got it just for chasing down a ball that most players wouldn't chase down. Um, you know, with Wallace as well, like saying, you know, he comes back. There was there was a bit in the second half where he seemed to be in centre mid and he won a header to knock it back into the box. And you're like, like why are you even there? And how are you winning a header? Um, but no, they were, both of them were fantastic. And, you know, talking about the 3-2-1s being difficult, you know one of the most difficult things is, you know you, you kind of give a three to both of them I thought they've they've been outstanding the whole season
2: if you think about it the, the, down the years we've never really had much of a, a probably since Juker and Graham a, a, a full partnership in terms of two strikers both of whom could can can contribute a lot of goals we tend to maybe just have one that's significantly better than the other but this season You know, our our front two are are up there with any in the league, and I would definitely be confident enough to say that. If you had to summarise our our performance as a whole today, Michael, out of 10, could you pick a number?
1: I would say eight, which might seem a bit harsh, but it's just because we created so many chances and we didn't take them. I mean, to me, a, a 10 out of 10 performance would be you've won a game before or 5 now, and you've dominated from start to finish. Now, we were pretty dominant. Again, going back to the fact that if Airdrie had managed to sneak ahead, how would we have handled that? And we'll never know. That's just how football is. It's a game of of what ifs. But I think eight, it was a polished performance. It was an all-round team performance. Just to go back to, to Ryan Wallace, yeah, he's a good player, but his consistency lets him down. But then on the other hand, if he was doing what he did today and playing like he was today on a consistent basis, he wouldn't be playing in the third tier of Scottish football, yet you'd be playing in the Premier League. And that's kind of what it boils down to. I think sometimes we get a little bit caught up with stuff like that because we watch the, the bigger games and you're like, oh, this guy could, could do it at the, the higher level or whatever. But there is a reason why at 30 years old, Ryan Wallace is playing in the third tier of Scottish football. He was unplayable today, he just has to be that more often. But he needs a good support mechanism around him. And I think we had us the signs of that today. And if we can get Swanson fit and playing, it was a luxury today that we're two up and we didn't need to bring Swanson off the bench. He's clearly still got this niggle, otherwise he'd be starting. But can you imagine what this team's going to look like with Swanson, Wallace and Hamilton, if they're all in top form, then you're looking at a nine or 10 out of 10, I think.
2: That's a very good point. And it's it's actually quite easy to forget that Danny Swanson's sitting on our bench. Um, you know, I think that we, we brought him on a couple of weeks ago to maybe try and rescue something um, against Parthic Thistle, but, You know, he's he's not looked fit since he started. I mean, let's be honest, he he hasn't been fit, I don't think. be interested to see what the the real situation is with Danny. I know that he is is still carrying a bit of a knock. But But then, I mean, if
1: he's on the bench, though, it's like you have to feel he's good to go, at least for part of the game. But, yeah, I mean, they're obviously being very cagey with him. I mean, I, I... don't forget that he's not on the pitch because we've spent money sponsoring him. So it's like, I, I need to get him on the pitch. Just like, as I put in our WhatsApp group, I needed some periods of sustained air pressure in that second half so that our like advertising board could get on TV more. I and mean, we didn't get that. So, I mean, that's a big disappointment for me.
2: Is that why you really marked us down from a 10? Is because there wasn't enough of the board in the background.
1: Absolutely. And I missed Kenny Duker giving a shout out to the podcast because I wasn't awake by that point.
2: Yeah, Doug, you remember maybe need to tell us what he said because I was at the game and Michael missed that. Um, I think he was talking...
3: To be honest, I just kind of heard it in the, the background. It was before the game. He was talking about um, the, the TV offerings you get from different clubs and stuff. And he was saying how it's great for people who live in different countries. And he said, oh, like the guy that hosts the podcast, he lives in Canada. Um, he's a bit of a twat. Uh, I don't like his face. But, you know, in that sort of sense, he was saying it was great. Um, it was something along
1: those lines. It, it was nice to hear Kenny talking sober, though, today, because he was he was well gone when we interviewed him. <laughs> He'd been I, drinking I, I, from I, 12, and we interviewed him at 8 o'clock at night.
3: Yeah. I, I just loved, if you've had the chance to read Pine Bovril, the abuse he's getting from energy fans is brilliant. <laughs> uh, it, it, because I, I think what I love about Duker... Um, apart from everything, <laughs> um, is that um, he does not sound like a qualified doctor. Um, yes. I, I will be, and, and some of the things he said was absolutely brilliant.
1: Um, oh, he was talking about a jobby at one point. Uh, just, he, he, he talked about uh, diving uh, to catch his son's jobby so it didn't hit his um, clean carpet. And then he said, uh, oh, I wish I'd had that today. It would have kept my hands warm.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was quality, and I think he kept saying "we," which
1: yes. I love, I and then love. at one point he said, "Oh, it must be terrible for opposition fans tuning in and hearing such biased commentary." And then Stephen yeah. Mill pipes up and says, "Oh, I try and I'm trying to be very unbiased." I'm like, yeah. "Do you, Stephen?"
3: <laughs> he, he was class. The only thing that upset me was that he started talking about the fact that he's a member of leaving. And as a as a Lundy, as a big Lundy member, that was a little bit of a kick to the stains. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he was hoarding himself out to play golf with people. It was impressive. I mean, everything was impressive.
1: Would you like to play around with, with Kenny Lee?
2: Anytime, any day and twice on a Sunday. Um, you know, I, I managed to get a, a chat with him today, like I said, and I actually text my dad after it at 31 years old going, I still get starstruck any time I speak to Kenny Duker. I I know that's sad, but it is absolutely true. So what I've done is is whilst um, Michael was talking there is is I've I've dropped a message to Tony to ask what our formation was today. And I'm pleased to tell you that we're all wrong. Oh. (laughs) The formation was four three three with Waldo off the left and allowed uh, allowed to float in that um, as Liam gave Pat cover.
1: So. I said I checked one of the sites, uh, uh sofa score, and uh, they had us as four four two. So like no one knew clearly what we were meant to be doing today.
3: I mean in, I'm intrigued as to our fullbacks were then because, um, yeah, if that's the case then Dunsworth then was totally lost today I think because I don't know (laughs) I don't really remember him doing much in the game I just assumed he was the right sort of wing back of the the five Yeah, I think
1: he was maybe told to stay back a bit because he didn't there was a
3: definite there was a definite sort of solid feeling about it though I think I think there was a lot to do with that whether it was yeah, I'm now very confused. But whether it was Slattery or, or Dunsworth, there was definitely a case of like, let's not bomb forward on these things to keep it solid at the back. I, I just always felt we had three centre halves, but you know, who, who's to uh, who's to argue with uh, with our assistant manager, who will know a lot more than me. Yeah, definitely. That. Can I you mean, also, since you're man.
1: chatting with you with our good friend Tony, can you also ask him about any recall clause for Hamilton, since we're talking about that? <laughs> well, ask him. Um, you don't get this on other shows. Just get in touch <laughs> with the management team, get our questions answered. Ask him what's for yeah. dinner tonight as well. <laughs> Please doing that. I'll just move on. We'll ask Gordon a question because Gordon's been very quiet and observing the, the mute mic thing. So, I mean, we, we touched on a, a lot of things so far, Gordon, and I kind of touched on it there. The fact that we didn't score more, I mean, it's not concerning in one sense because we won and we didn't give any goals up. But, in the grand scheme of things, there's not going to be that many games I think where we get that many chances to score and in terms of goal difference and how tight this league could be, that could be massive come the end of the season it could be um I mean we did have what probably
4: two or three chances that were you know you you'd expect us to score um and it would have been i mean it would it would have been great to. To win four or five nil, I'm I'm not so concerned of that. Of that you know, I'd rather be creating these chances and missing them and still winning. Um, I think it's a good sign. I think say Hamilton. Uh, I think Hamilton had a couple of good chances. Um, and like you say, if he's if he's if he's getting four chances and scoring two, absolutely happy with that. Um, I think it just shows that. Um, you know he's getting in the right positions. Um, the forward players are kind of linking well enough to create these chances. So, I, I, I don't think we've been particularly. I don't think it's been a thing this season that we've been particularly wasteful. Um, so, I, I'm not too concerned about the about the missing chances today. I mean, in saying that, if you know if we'd drawn the game, we probably all would have been raging about it. Um, but no, I'm 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 not too bothered about it as long as as long as we're scoring goals. I I don't particularly mind us missing missing chances.
1: I mean, apart from the last five minutes, I don't think I was worried about Airdrie <laughs> even pulling a, a goal back.
4: No, t- today was um, It was like the first game that I felt. Um, you know, like all the games so far, well even the games that we've been playing well in, um, it's felt very sort of manic. Like, you know, we might we might get forward and play some good football and create chances, but at any point we can just be cut open or, you know, a, a ball can go into the box that we'll struggle with. But today, pretty much for the whole ninety, I just felt very relaxed about it. Um, we were just dealing with everything. Um You know, even by the end, even when they were getting corners and long throws, I just felt we're going to deal with it. Um, And today, today's the first, you know, even the Dumbarton game that we won, he always felt like Dumbarton were only, you know, they were almost getting back into it. They didn't, maybe they just needed a half chance, but today I thought we were very comfortable and wasn't worried at all.
1: I, I, we've got to give Brett Long credit as well for a fantastic save in the first half, Doug. Which again, a, a possible game-changing moment if he hadn't kept that. He didn't have a lot to do. Obviously, he was in today. Uh, Jordan wasn't even on the bench, so maybe wondering what might be behind that. Possibly COVID-related. Maybe don't want to speculate too much on that. But I mean, he Long did well. He he did everything that he asked of him, and it, it's. It's a tough one going forward. Who, who do you go with going forward now in goal?
3: I, I honestly don't think it's a big thing. I mean, mm. if it was a personal preference, I, I probably prefer long, but not by a massive amount. I think uh, Jordan Hart's a very good goalie. Um, we're quite lucky in that department in many ways. Um, yeah, do you know what? I, I guess the thing for him is he, he stayed switched on in a game where he probably cooled up Probably could have pulled up a chair for most of it. I mean, he had very little to do. He came for a couple of crossballs, and but it was one very good save. I think going back to Airdrie, I think when a team puts in a long throw in the first two or three minutes, it just seems. I think as soon as you mop one of them up, the team's these five's probably gone. Is that what they're going to do for the whole game? Right, perfect. You know, I mean that that's the sort of thing. That's you know Stoke of the nineties. It's that's what you do in, with ten minutes to go when you're struggling for for thought I I'd, I'd be really concerned if I was an energy fan at that to be honest. I thought they were really poor. I mean the, the boy Tam Rab, as I call him, um did show a couple of flashes, you know, when he got the ball and you thought it was just a really odd performance by then. But I think mainly that's due to we you know we closed them down. I think our formation change was massive and it meant that we we just didn't give them time to really do anything. But no, goalie-wise, look, I think Brett's number one for me, but there's there's not much between the two, to be honest with
1: you. Here's a question for you, Lee. Our home form and our away form has been very different so far this season. Is this going to be the story of this season? Are we just going to turn it on at home and struggle away? That would be enough to keep us safe. But if we want to do better than that, we have to somehow find a way to get the results on the road. And I don't know what's really been behind it. Cove could have been different if we'd kept all the, the players on the pitch. The other games, we've kind of been a little bit outclassed at times. But I think the signs are there. Once we play some of the the lower teams in, in the division, for want of a, a better phrase, that's going to be more telling. Dumbarton on Boxing Day, that's maybe a, a good gauge because we've beat them. In a tough game at Bayview, how we do against, um, I was going to say at Boghead. that's going way back, whatever the new stadium's called now, um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one.
2: Yeah, I think that there's got to be a catalyst to change, um, for certainly for an away form, and that that starts up at Balmour next, uh, next season, next week, um, up at Peterhead, so... I, I really fancy us next week if, if we can maintain the, the sort of tenacity the, the aggression pressing play that we showed today then you know I don't think that we should fear anyone you know if we play like that every week which is the, the performance that we've all known that we're capable of which is probably why we've been so frustrated in previous weeks then yeah bring on anyone and you know hopefully we could get a good result because you know that's Cove starting to drop points now they, they went down to, to Montrose today so it really is starting to show, apart from Falkirk, who look like they're going to potentially be runaway leaders, that the rest of the places are still up for grabs. I think I've heard on the grapevine that there, there could potentially be an inquiry about Clyde, uh, the Clyde players, um, cashian so could potentially oh. end up with the points for for last week. Um, so if we can get those extra three points plus a win next week up at Peterhead, then we're right back in that mix again. So, yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot to be positive about after the game today um, and I do have some some more information from you having spoke to Tony it was a state pie for tea and a, a bottle of peroni and you know I, I think that as, as far as teas goes that's a solid 9 out of 10 yeah that's yeah.
1: that's that's the kind of assistant manager you want at the club to be honest
2: definitely and to answer the, the another part of the question is when he said it was 4-3-3 I was I could have swore that we played 4-5-1 he says well, we're 4-5-1 without the ball so there you go it's a little bit of insight to the the team today, but look, it, I, I just want to reiterate how amazing it is to be doing a, a podcast on the back of a win because it, it feels like it's been so few and far between. And I mean, I've actually seen Doug smile twice during this now. And I think, to be fair, I think the second time is when his beautiful girlfriend just handed him a bottle of beer. Well, to um, be
1: honest, if I had her at home, I'd be smiling as well.
2: Yeah, <laughs> definitely agree to that. Um, so yeah, you've, 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 you're looking happy, Doug.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I I think something needs to be. We've mentioned it before, but you know, the last couple of times we've done the pod is directly. I mean, like five minutes after the full time whistle's gone. So, you know, I, I am actually a quite a positive guy, um, but I just think like when you saw the performance gets Partick and it's raw and the emotions are still there, it's it's really hard not to be anything but negative, because you see today of what we're capable of, you know, it's frustrating. But as Michael said, and I said a couple of weeks ago, these players wouldn't be playing for us if they were consistently very good. So, you know, I the Christ, I've watched these five for 30 years. I know fine well that that's the case. Um, But it's hard when it's straight after kickoff and after the full time whistle. So it is difficult to get that balance between, you know, I'm a level headed man and I'm freaking raging about that. Um, I, yeah, I, I think going forward, apart from the top two or three, there's not going to be much between everyone. We've talked about that before. Um, you know, it's doom and gloom one week because we're bottom of the league. That's When you're bottom of the league, it's doom and gloom. When you're starting to push up seventh, sixth, looking up to fourth, you know, of course you're going to get more confident. The, the big thing with the Clyde situation is... If we are awarded the three points, you're also awarded a 3-0 win, which is great for the goal difference. Um, but then so, you're also
1: given Forfer three points as well.
3: That's yeah. fine. They're not going to be in the mix with us. If we play that today, Forfer aren't going to be anywhere near us. Anymore. Yeah,
1: that's hope, hopefully not. I mean, you look at the next fixtures coming up, like the three for the remainder of the year, you've got Peterhead away next week, then at home to Forfer, and then away at Dumbarton. That is potentially, Gordon, nine points... Hopefully at least six or somewhere in between six and nine. Uh, well, this is it. We've, we've played the
4: three teams we've got to play, assuming we play the Clyde game, are uh, in the first round of fixtures. Those are the three teams that are bottom of the league. So, I mean, we have, you know, the home away thing as well. But we've, had, we've, we've lost three games. Those were the three away games. That's away to Cove, away to Falkirk and away to Partick, which is, uh, they're tough games. Um, and I was looking at it today and I was thinking, if, you know, let's just say we get awarded a 3 0 win um, over Clyde, we're on the same points as Airdrie. So yeah. From, you know, um, getting beat at Partick, going bottom of the league because we didn't play last week, suddenly, you know, it seems very doom and gloom.
1: And in the space of a couple of days, you could be joint fourth. Um, Two more goals today and we would have been fourth. I just checked the goal difference there. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
4: I mean, I, I did think as well, when I was looking at it, I was like, well, if we get a 3-0 win, how many goals do we need before we we could actually overtake Airdrie midweek? Which yeah,
1: because yeah, like, the top four are the only four sides just now that are in positive goal difference. And then from fifth down to tenth, everyone else is like on, on negative.
3: Yeah, I, I think... For me, the bottom line is, the reason we're kind of disappointed at how it was started is, I genuinely, at the start of the season, genuinely thought, and I'm not ruling it completely out, I genuinely thought we could win this league. And not in a, because, you know, not in a massive, you know, um, heart overhead kind of scenario, just that. Teams coming down from the championship have notoriously struggled in this league and often have been relegated again in, you know, in previous years. And the pressure was is massive on Falkirk this year. Massive on them. They have to go up. Have to. And I just... I, there was someone at the start of the season was like, you know, I'm not... I don't think we will, but we, we could, you know, really challenge. So I think that was why the frustration was there for me in those first three games against the likely challengers away from home, when you don't lay a glove on them, it's really, it's, it's tough. It's tough to take as a fan because it immediately kills that thought of, you know, oh, we could do this, we could do that. But then today it subsequently just flips it again and go, right, well, instead of looking, you know, we talked about last week, put, you know, if you could offer you seventh or eighth, would you take it? And we are all like, definitely. You know, we could maybe ask that again at the end and it will be completely different.
1: Yeah, you'd be disappointed yeah. if you finished 7th or 8th after what you saw today, Lee. And, I mean, Falkirk do have to go up financially. I mean, with clubs in peril, they're, they've stayed full-time. If they don't go up this season, you have to think that's the end of the, them being full-time. But then Partick as well, you, they should have to surely go back up again financially for them as well or they're going to be in, in deep shit. So interesting times ahead guess we should get to 3-2-1 the unless there's anything else you want to talk about, Lee?
2: No, um I, I think that, it, like I said already, it's, it's just great to be positive in the back of the win. And, you know, I think that potentially weeks that we've recorded after we've lost it, the show might have gone on a little bit longer. But mm. you might know, what? Oh, let's, let's leave the, the weekend on a high and, and get into the 3-2-1s. And since you've come to me, I'll go first. And... I'm, I want to give Jack Hamilton the, the, the three. I really do. But I'm going to give them to Ryan Wallace because I thought he was the best player in the park um, all around today um, for, for everything that he contributed. He, he never, ever shuts up. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's always talking to someone. He's always shouting at a linesman, shouting at referee, shouting at an opposition player. He
1: just You, makes you saw him shouting at the giraffes in the safari park.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. actually tried to body check a chimpanzee when I was there as well. It was just crazy. But, you know, the, the guy was, yeah, absolutely standard day. So he gets my three. Jack Hamlet and Huss to get the two. And it's, it's the one that I struggle with because I can name probably another nine players that, that, that probably deserve the one. I thought Brett Long was excellent, like you mentioned. I thought Stuart Murdoch today was excellent mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I'm going to give it to, to Craig Watson. Um, Craig came into the, into the game having not really played a lot of minutes today. And, and my, my point was between him and Chris Higgins. They, they won every aerial battle that they had. They were calm in possession when they had it at their feet. I mean, just in the last sort of five, ten minutes, Watson played a, a sort of 40-yard cross-field ball that, that put us right into the front foot again, having just had the ball at the back. So I'm going to give my, my last point to, to Craig Watson for, for his performance today.
1: Let's go to Gordon next. Who's your three two one for Eddie?
4: I had a similar thought in that um Hamilton and Wallace have got to be for me, they've got to be the top two, and then you could make a, a good argument for pretty much anybody else. So i I did go did go three points for Hamilton and it, it's that sort of thing. You know, we've won two now. I've got a striker that scored two goals and I'm still finding it kinda difficult to give him the three points, but I did. Um Wallace has got to get the two, fantastic. And I gave the one to Stuart Murdoch. So he was he's he, he was brilliant today and he's been good. He's been pretty consistently good. Well, since he signed for his five, basically. Um but I thought you could make an argument for pretty much anyone in the starting eleven to get in
1: there. Yeah, that's fair. Let let's go to our DP. That's known as our designated player over here in MLS. For us, it's Doug Perry. Who is your three-two-one?
3: Um All day long, Wallace, three points. Um, <laughs> as Gordon said, it is strange when Hamilton scored two goals, but I thought Wallace was just immense today. He's, he's everything you kind of hope he is every game because he, he he often has performances like that. Just not often enough, I guess. To, you know, for being, uh, you know, fannies, I guess. Um, I just thought he, he's. If you look up "nyaff" in the dictionary, you'll see a little picture of Ryan Wallace's cheeky wee smile. He, he is just—he's all over the place. And I think—I I don't think Hamilton scores those goals if it wasn't—if it isn't for Wallace. I think his work was just tremendous. Um, so three points to him. Uh, two for Hamilton. Um, could have had five or six, but took his goals very well. And one, again, echoing what everyone said, it could have been a number of players, but I instantly wrote down Stuart Murdoch. I think Murdoch's one of these guys I'm really surprised is still actually playing at this level. Mm. Even When he first came on loan from, I think it was Falkirk, maybe, God, a long time ago now, he was absolutely class for us. And I just... Always was really surprised that he never quite kicked on from theirs. But I, I, yeah, I thought he was excellent uh, today as well. So one point for him. And also, big shout out to, to Darren and uh, Tony today. I think they really protected that left side in whatever formation they came up with, um, which bamboozled the four of us for certain. Um, and just, yeah, I just thought it looked so much more solid and more ability to let your agnews and all that create as well. So I think um, good on them for not being stubborn because a lot of managers can be um, and it definitely reaped the rewards. So that was two going on five today.
2: Excellent.
1: And your discipline yourself, was good today um, as well. So what's that Lee? Just going to and
2: say before coming to you, a player that's, that's had a, a, a whole whack of abuse um, or not abuse but constructive criticism as we like to say in the show is Pat Slattery and I thought Pat was great today and, and he really does deserve... To, to get the, the, the praise when it's good. Um, and I thought he was excellent. I, th- I thought he, was, he really made a, a new system of himself today, put in a lot of good tackles, stopped blocked, made a lot of blocks. So, yeah, Pat, well done today, mate. Um, you've you've, you've, you've won me over after I've a, a, a probably been your harshest critic so far for the season, but definitely a great performance. And now what are you, Michael, for your 3-1?
1: Well, the thing with Pat, though, as well, is I think he had better support in front of him today. Which really helped because it takes the pressure off him a bit. And yeah, I mean, discipline was great today as well. Even Aaron Dunsmore didn't pick up a, a booking. So happy days indeed. My three, two, one is very similar. Uh, I had Murdoch as well for for one point. It was interesting to hear Kenny Dooker talking about he played with Murdoch in Murdoch's early days as well. So that that was a bit surprising to me. I went back and forth with Hamilton and Wallace for the three and the two. Talked to my dog when we were out in the walk before recording this. She said squirrels. So I think we might have to go with that. But I'm still going back and forth in my head listening to, to all your points. I'm With Gordon, it's hard to not give the guy that scored the two goals, the three points, but Wallace was that good that I don't think we would have had the victory without Wallace. Just with the he he kept Airdrie on the back foot, and I think that's what then helped us play. So I'm going to give Wallace the three and Hamilton two.
2: So can we all just say that we're madly in love with Ryan Wallace? And I think that that seems to be the overwhelming tonight. um, Yeah, tonight definitely. And you know, like I've said already, you know, I I put it on Twitter that it was Jack Hamilton's world and we're all just living in it. But you know, I, I think that Jack Hamilton goes to bed dreaming about Ryan Wallace, and I think that. You know, probably for
3: tonight, I will too. I'll go as far as to say, if they, I mean, obviously, but if they play consistently like that, they're the best front two in the league.
2: Yeah, I think
1: it'd be hard to disagree with that. I mean, Lee Lee made a good point about we haven't had a pairing like that for a while. Like going way back, Scotty and Sludden, the two of them together were fantastic in a really shit team as well. And, I mean, they they banged the goals in. Then you've got, like, Duker and Graham. And, I mean, I know my knowledge of the team in the last 10 years isn't great, but I can't think of another time in the last 10 years where we've had, like, two guys that you're looking at regularly. I mean, who who was scoring alongside Fash when we had Fash banging them all in? Was there anyone? No.
2: <laughs> it was yeah. the Jordan anyway. <laughs>
1: You're just bitter because you've still not got that medal through yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great. It is nice to do this after a win. I've got to say, everyone's got a smile on their face, a spring in their step, and we've got to build on it now. It's like, there's no point playing like that today and then going to Peterhead and not taking something from Peterhead. I mean, after we do this, I'll go through the, the, the table and everything like I do all the time. But I mean, today, peterhead they lost 2-1 to falkirk on paper that looks like it was probably a good performance by peterhead to just lose by, by one goal to falkirk so i mean we don't know that but a, a win next week leap or extends our lead over peterhead to four points possibly seven if we get the three points from the clyde game and then you're you're starting to have a little bit of breathing space and you can maybe you can maybe play a different kind of football as well, because when you're down the bottom, wins then become important, and you're maybe your tactics are a little bit different as well. I just hope Dan doesn't change too much next week, personnel wise, tactics wise, whatever. Because it worked today. Obviously, Peterhead can watch that and maybe play against us and know how to play against us. But some of the stuff today was unplayable.
3: I think he'll play the. I would be very surprised if it's not an unchanged team. I think for for the listeners of the of the podcast I think this is a perfect example of you know this is you know we're four passionate East Five fans we're talking last week where maybe sounding really negative because you're just on the back of a pretty poor performance because it does it, it kind of it cuts you deep as they say it, it you know it does affect you I think when we play badly and you're watching it and giving your time to do it and subsequently like today you know you're that giddy feeling of God, that was amazing. That could have been ten. It was, and that's the joys of being a lower division football fan. It's that, it's that highs and lows. And one week we want half the team sold, you know, to the worst team in the world. And the next week we're like, oh God, he must be, he's worth about eighty grand. It's, it's, it's as I say, it's the total joys. What we won't ever do is if we do badly against Peterhead, we'll not turn up at Bayview. Wait at the players and we'll start throwing like fences at them, like the horrible bigoted wash you saw in Glasgow. Funnily enough,
1: we are talking about that in tonight's show because, yeah, I when I woke up and saw that, I was like, Jesus Christ, get a grip, you
3: privileged, privileged bastards. Like, step (laughs) step down, step down to our level and watch, you know, lower league football. And I I, honestly, it, it was. That was painful to it That killed me. That absolutely yeah. killed me.
2: The word that I, I think that I said, Michael, was entitled, and you know, entitled, privilege, whatever you want to call it. You know, you've won nine championships in a row. Of course, you want to make it ten. That's fine. But look, just because popcorn teeth isn't pulling it out the the bag so far this season, there's still you know half more than half of it to go. You know, um, get a grip. That, but that's a, that that's already been suitably or will be suitably covered
1: internet show. Well I mean uh, earlier on the podcast I said the difference between fans that support teams like us is a bad season for us could see us go out of the football league if you're in the bottom division and you've got a really bad season you could be going out of the league altogether a bad season for Celtic Rangers is you haven't won the title but you finished second and and you've still qualified for Europe. Mm -hmm. Yeah
2: yeah.
4: You mean you don't see see breaking fans rioting outside Glead Park I mean and they've got burning farmers.
0: their hedge <laughs>
4: yeah. thrown turnips at
2: the main gate <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say they've turned up with their pitchforks but they're not choking their farmers up there anyway aren't they
1: <laughs> ah, they've lost more listeners is there anyone you've not insulted in this podcast so far oh I've not done Kelly for a while have I ever mentioned I hate them so that's
2: it from us, unless any of our esteemed guests and Michael have got anything to say. Monday five, the five. On the five it, it seems to be an overriding sentiment. Michael, you look like you've got something to say.
1: I was just going to say we don't do this enough. Let Doug and Gordon tell everyone where they can find them online if they want to have some fun banter with them.
3: God, I'm I'm like an old man. Uh, I've got Facebook. And that's about it. I don't do Twitter. I don't do Twitter. Oh, I, I thought you were it. on Twitter. <laughs> no. Uh, you can find me on Facebook by looking up Doug Perry. He, I'm the, I, I, my And my profile picture is that of Where's Wally? You know, that's it. Hmm. That's where you'll find me.
4: I've got I've got a Twitter account that is basically just used to interact with this podcast and then abuse <laughs> the old politicians sometimes. And I've got I've got I've got a handle like a Russian bot. It's just Gordon Henderson. and about seven digits. Oh so,
1: man! Yeah, there we go. Whenever anyone follows me like that, I'm usually like not not falling back. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Gordon Henderson
3: true. and the seven digits. If you ever if you ever form a band, Gordon, then Gordon Henderson and the seven digits is your name. That's a great uh, thing all right. Actually,
1: yeah. Yeah, but you're only allowed to have five people in it. Yeah, just to confuse people. Mm. I, I think uh, that's a, a good way to end it, then, Lee. Yeah,
2: but I don't know about a good way to end it, but it's definitely it's ended a way it. to end it. Yeah, definitely. Look, guys, two 0 clean sheet, three points. Stay safe, and we'll hopefully reconvene next Saturday with another three points. And until then, Monday five.
1: So thanks to Doug and Gordon for joining us again on Five Fan Zone, and as we said several times there, certainly really nice to do it after a win, it's felt so rare to do it since we started the show, only two wins on the season so far, it just makes Five Fan Zone all the more fun, and of course it's not just the four of us that were cock-a-hoop after that victory, the whole fan base is as well, and so are the team and the players, So Lee got a chance to chat with East Fife assistant manager Tony McMinn after the match. Here's what he had to say about that performance and that 2-0 win over Airdrie. Tony, brilliant game today. I felt like it was a complete
2: team performance. Clean sheet, three points, two great goals from Jack. What's your thoughts on the match today?
5: Absolutely delighted with the three points Um, today. They're well deserved. Um, it comes off the back of four very good training sessions that the boys have put in. They were ready to go against Clyde last week. Obviously we're disappointed that was off. But we said to them before the game, if eight or nine of them can outmatch their opponents at least, then we'll win more games than we lose in this league. And we got 13, 14 bodies today that all played their part. Even right at the end with Kev coming on and keeping the ball in the corner. Everybody did their job and everybody got the better of their man today. And they got their rewards.
2: The one thing that I think most fans will notice would be the the, the change to our shape. I think that it definitely worked. We, we c- controlled the game. You know, even listening to to Ian Murray after the match, you know, he, he says that we, we dominated, and I think that we did all over the park. I don't think there was a, a single you know individual battle that wasn't won. But if we're going to single out a couple of players, that the first one I want to single out is Ryan Wallace, and, and what a difference he makes to the team when he's in it. He seemed to have a bit more of a free role today, um, and you know whether he was tracking back, pushing forward. I just thought he was he was absolutely excellent. And then, you know, to talk about Jack Hamilton, I think we could be here all night. We had Kenny Duker, former striker, on on co-commentary today. It, it puts me so much in mind of, of of Kenny and his movement, his touch, and his finishing. You know, absolutely outstanding as well. He could have probably had three or four today had he. Um, taking another couple of chances, so I think when we've got these boys on the park, it, it does make a difference.
5: Yeah, we changed the shape slightly. A um, couple of reasons, you know. One, Liam's been knocking on the door for a wee while. Deserves his opportunity. Um, he was excellent today again. Maybe doesn't catch the the attention of fans as much because he's he goes about the game so simply. But um, he was excellent. Um, that then allows. Ryan to kinda of play off that left hand side um and, and float and, and go and get on the ball and do what he does best and, and create. Um it freed Scott I knew up a little bit more today as well, allowed him to get forward. I just felt the energy from everybody. Was was first class, they hunted everything down and then Jack gets his rewards um in the end but um let's no shout too loudly about that and let um championship and premiership teams know about that before the end of the season.
2: Yeah, couldn't agree more, you know, but let's try and keep Jack under wraps as best as we possibly can. Um, he just he just seems to grow in confidence every week and, you know, he's, he's given a lot of teams a, a torrid time. But thank you so much for your, your time, Tony. We really, really appreciate it. Delighted to be signing off our, our chat um, with a, a win, a, a clean sheet, which is even better. But more importantly, it propels us back up to the table and again, we're on a, a, a must-win game next week against Peterhead.
5: Every game in this league is winnable though and it's going to be like that all season. I um, don't think some people would have predicted the results that happened today. So it's going to be tight all the way through and any points you can pick up um, away from home um, is especially important.
1: East Fife assistant manager there, Tory McMinn, chatting about the win over Airdrie this afternoon. And, like, I'm genuinely looking forward to next week's game. And it's a big one, and it's a really important one. But let, let's do what we always do after five fans. Zone. Let's have a look around the, the rest of Scottish League One from Saturday, December the 5th. Only four fixtures played again, of course, because Clyde's game against Forfar was postponed due to the Clyde players testing positive for Covid. Not really a, a big surprise there, I would have been amazed if they had been able to, to play again this week with the last week's game getting called off due to like quarantine times and, and various isolation times and stuff like that. So the games that did go in, league leaders Falkirk extended their lead at the top with a 2-1 win over Peterhead this afternoon. Alston and Salmon had them 2-0 up at half time. Cameron pulled one back for Peterhead but ended up with that 2-1 win for Falkirk. Taking them now to 17 points, 4 points ahead of Cove Rangers, who went down to, what I guess is a a surprising 2-1 loss at home to Montrose. And Cove Rangers went ahead in this one, going 1-0 up in the 38th minute. But Montrose came storming back in the second half, a Webster penalty in 57 minutes, and then the winner from McLean 6 minutes later, giving them that 2-1 win. And in the grand scheme of things, come the end of the season, that could be a massive three points for Montrose. Keeps Coven second just now on 13 points. Montrose now on 10 points. Just outside the playoff places in fifth. Airdrie sitting in fourth after their loss to East Fife today on 10 points. Then in third place, Partick Thistle, who were held to a 0-0 draw at home to Dumbarton this afternoon. Perhaps another surprise result there you could see. Dumbarton, 6th now on 8 points. East Fife, 7th with 7 points but with a game in hand. And as we talked about there, if they win that game in hand or if they get given that game in hand against Clyde, it's going to move them up to joint 4th. If they get given the 3-0 victory, it will move them into 5th spot on goal difference. Next week's opponents, Peterhead, sit in 8th spot on 6 points. Clyde on 9 on 6 points but with 2 games in hand potentially. And then forfer, bottom of the table, 10 points on five. But again, if Clyde do get given two 3-0 losses against them, one of those will go to forfer That would then give them eight points, moving them up to joint sixth. So tight, 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 as we were expecting. Still a lot to play for. Looking at what is on the slate next week. Assuming all the games go ahead, you've got Airdrie at home to Montrose. Clyde at home to Falkirk. Barton at home to Cove Rangers, Forfar at home to Partick Thistle, and Peterhead at home to the mighty East Fife. So we'll be back next week with another Fife fan zone. Hopefully, talking about three more points, or at least I'd settle for a point. Just, just now uh, away from home, you really want three, and it is a a very winnable match. You feel. So that's how things are, are currently looking now in Scottish League One. It's obviously. Going to help a lot of teams and give them a little bit of an advantage, I think, when fans are back in the stadium. We, we've talked about it a lot, Lee, in the past few weeks. Now looks closer than ever to becoming a reality because England allowed fans back on Wednesday. Saw a couple of the games and some clips of the fans very well spaced out in matches, and it just adds that little bit of a, an extra atmosphere to it. So With news of that and the vaccine coming and and stuff like that, it's looking a lot more positive for hopefully getting fans back sooner rather than later now.
2: Yeah, look, I'll be absolutely delighted when I could be surrounded by the fellow fans and cheering on hopefully what will be a, a an uprising in our, our performances in, in, the, in the weeks to come. So, yeah, I think that, you know, as, as we are watching like the Champions League or the Europa League or even some games in England now, as you've said, and, and seeing fans in the ground, that just seems such an alien concept even just a few weeks ago that that, that might happen anytime soon. But no, it kind of feels like there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And for the first time in a long time, it feels great to say that, you know, Nicola Sturgeon said that during the week, you know, that it's the best news that she's shared in a long time is the fact that we've we've secured some of the vaccine and I'll be delighted, you know, don't get me wrong. I'll I'll be more than happy to get to the football, but even just going for a pint with my mates or seeing some family that I've not seen for a while, you know, hopefully getting around to see my granddad who doesn't keep very well at the moment either. These, these little things, you know, I've seen my granddad like three times this year um, because he doesn't want to see anybody really with the, the COVID stuff going on and he's got cancer. So these things like, you know, the football is amazing, yeah But there's, there is, believe it or not More to life than football at times And I, I think that when we we think about it as a whole You know, it finally feels like There's light at the end of the tunnel
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was fantastic seeing fans back at, at some of those English games And I mean, some stadiums It's going to be way easier than others to To have the isolation Any of the old-fashioned ones where you can stand It's going to be easy to kind of Like just position folk around and make sure that you're not standing next to anyone. Interesting thing that came out over here in Canada on Friday. Now, it's just a recommendation from Health Canada, but it's a strong recommendation from it that they don't want fans at live events, whether that is sporting, whether that's like the arts, theatre, whatever, unless they can prove that they've, they've had a vaccine. So they'd have to prove that they've they've had the vaccine before buying a ticket, before attending. Now that, of course, opens up a whole other minefield because I know there's a lot of folk who are a bit wary about getting the vaccine, especially initially, to see how it works. And then there's proving that. I don't see anything wrong with that. I can see it would certainly cause a lot of controversy but it might be the same for flying. You're not allowed to be on a plane unless you can prove that you've got a vaccine. And I think it's just peace of mind for everyone. And that's the main thing. If you can have peace of mind that you can go to an event, go to a football match, go to the cinema and not be beside somebody that's got COVID, things are going to get back to normal pretty soon after that.
2: Yeah, 100%. There's, there's been some... Like I absolutely love Twitter and, and those that, that listen to the show and, and follow me on Twitter will see that. And there's been some unbelievable tweets and social media posts this week around people that are, are choosing not to have the vaccine. Now, wh- whatever your view is, please don't take any of my own personal thoughts of it. But, you know, there's there's people that I know on social media that, you know, I've, I've, I've seen taking drugs. and They're like, I'm not taking a, a, a vaccine, if, even if, you know, everybody else has when I'm like, right. But you've, you've sat and taken cocaine at tea in the park and you've no idea what's in that. You know, the, the hypocrisy in it and some of the stuff that you need is mental. Um, the best one that I've seen, though, for anybody that hasn't read it, was the people that say that they won't get out, um, go and get a vaccine, but will happily wolf down a Rustler's burger. It tells me everything that I need to know about society. And I genuinely about wet my pants at that. I thought it was absolutely brilliant.
1: <laughs> oh, geez, I'd forgotten all about Rustler burgers. Yes, yeah, some of the burgers and places I've had over the years... Makes you wonder. That's a whole other thing. Especially some burgers at football back in the day as well were quite dodgy. Not now. I mean, things are a lot better now, I think, with food quality over there. But back in the 80s and 90s, some of the burgers that you got served up at football matches.
2: Oh, Even the pies at Cote Bridge. I remember getting oh. there once and literally it was like red hot on the outside and frozen in the middle. And literally, you just ended up eating the pastry around it and throwing the frozen patty in the bin.
1: So, ah. there's
2: the, yeah,
1: that's again, that's a, a, another whole conversation. But actually, well, yeah, look. let's actually throw that out to our listeners. So, I'd be very curious. What is the worst food that you've had at a football match? What ground have you been to that's had the worst pie, the worst burger? Both roll, you can't go too wrong with. Sometimes it. You, you can when I mean, it's not the actual ball throw and they use Oxo or something else, but yeah, let us know the worst pie you've ever had at a football match and worst burger or just worst whatever because I, I know a lot of places do different stuff now. I mean, we're always talking about our best pies and our favorite pies and stuff, but I'd love to hear folks' worst ones. Cote Bridge, I do remember their pies were horrible.
2: One of the other one, bad ones I had was at Tannadice years ago, I'm sure I've said that in the show, and it was. Like the pie was just horrendous, and as a, somebody that like to consider himself as a pie connoisseur, Michael, you know, I, I know what I like, um, but the the one at Tannadice was particularly bad. However, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the best pie I've had at a ground it was actually at Butter Briggs up at Elgin, oh. and it was a macaroni pie. Controversial? Oh.
1: No, I, I like a macaroni Excellent. pie. That's something you don't get over here. Uh, you, like, you get scotch pies because there's a lot of like expat bakers and butchers and stuff over here that, that do all that stuff. I always have a frozen scotch pie in the freezer just as an emergency pie. So I've got that just now. I've got my bov roll. So whenever I fancy having a pie in a bov roll when I'm watching the, the games at home, I, I kind of dig that out. So let us know on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or you can let Lee know on Twitter at LeeG1903 or myself at AFT in Canada or shoot us an email Days of gold at gmail.com. Now, I, I talked there about I like to dig a pie out when I'm watching the football sometimes at home, sit here with my pie in Bovril, have the kind of full in-match experience. That brings me to a Twitter poll that I had a, a couple of weeks ago. We we're going to go over this on last week's show, but we didn't get a chance to because we didn't do a show. I was very curious. so I asked the question, we're not attending games. There's a lot more games on football these days. There's a lot of streams, obviously, you can buy online. There's, like, illegal streams. There's lots of, like, non-league teams that stream for free on YouTube and various things as well. So I asked, since football returned during the summer, do you find that you're watching more, less, or about the same amount of football on TV these days than before COVID and the lockdown? And the three options I gave people were watching more, Watching less, watching the same. So before I get into the results, what about you, Lee? Do you find you've been watching more football because there's more on? Are you watching less for whatever reason or still pretty much about the same?
2: Probably pretty much about the same. I'm definitely watching a lot less English football. Um, I used to watch a lot of the Premier League. Um, And, you know, I've I've said several times the show that I've followed Manchester United for a number of years but I, I can't suffer watching them just now. <laughs> they're, they're so terrible. I watched the, the Champions League game um, versus mm-hmm. Paris Saint-Germain, but equally what I'm missing out on watching in the English leagues, I'm probably watching more Scottish football so that I'm a little bit more tuned in if, in case I get caught on, out on the, the, the podcast. So there's definitely a little bit of that. Um, I thought that Rangers started really poor last night, for example, I caught a bit of the Rangers game, but then ended up finishing the game so strong Massively imp- impressed by Rangers just now. I don't know if you've managed to catch any of the games, but I think I read a stat that the 25 games unbeaten, which oh. you know, fair fair play to them, um, and particularly in Europe, Steven Gerrard just seems to have a love affair with the Europa League, and he's, he's doing a great job, particularly in 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 Europe.
1: Yeah, I've I've watched most of the European games. I, I missed the game on on Thursday night, but I, I I get on the zone that I've talked about here. We get all the Champions League and Europa League games. Every single one of them is live to, to watch. So I've watched the Celtic and Rangers games. Haven't watched the last couple of Celtic ones because they've just been absolute gash in Europe or in general. And we'll come yeah. to some Celtic stuff in a little bit. But yeah, it's, Rangers have been phenomenal this year. Slightly disappointing for me, not anything to do with old firm biases or anything like that. But the Whitecaps have made overtures to Scotty Arfield for coming over to Vancouver. He's a guy I would love here. And he has talked about, he's got interest in MLS, but he feels he has unfinished business at Rangers. I was hoping they were going to have a shit season and get knocked out of Europe by Christmas. So we had a chance of landing him in the January transfer window. So that does not look like it's happening now. So that that's my big disappointment from Rangers doing well. But I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I've hardly watched English football since this new season started, I actually had to have a look at the table yesterday because when I was putting the rundown together, I was like, "I don't even know what the Premier standings are." I can't believe Man City's like mid-table because I've not I've not seen games at all. I've not even been watching Match of the Day, which sometimes, because all the games are on the zone here, and you can watch it on demand, but you can't really fast forward it. And, and watch it as easy as if it was on your skybox or pvr because it it fast forwards but it doesn't fast forward through the game that you can watch it it just it keeps it where you are and then fast forward it to wherever you stop it next so you can't watch the game as you're fast forwarding on the uh. so because of that i can't be arsed sitting watching all these games so i started watching match of the day and then i stopped downloading that so I, like, I didn't know West Ham, who's my Premier team. I didn't know they were fifth. I was like, what yeah. the hell's happened to West Ham?
2: I'll tell you what, we, we tend to be a, a, a Scottish and East Fife uh, football podcast, but let's talk a bit about the Premier League, because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring up something which I said on Twitter that seems to have been controversial, shocker for me, but Pep Guardiola... And Mikel Arteta seem to be completely immune from any sort of criticism, critique. You know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has one bad game and media blackout everywhere. Mm. You know, Ole out, Ole out, Ole out. You know, Man City have been woeful this season. Um, eeksy Peaksy with Man United in the league. Arsenal have been horrendous. but There's nothing in the media coming out saying you know, that they should be losing their jobs or their coat's on a sugarly peg. Guardiola's just been given a new contract. Everything's peachy for him. So what I, I don't understand is, is, is you know, there's there's a myth around Guardiola. Don't get me wrong, he was excellent at, at Barcelona. He, he did well at Bayern Munich. But he, he, he walks into squads and buys success.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Are you trying to tell me that someday like, and I'm going to get slagged for this one, but someday like Sean Dyche at Burnley somebody that's had consistent success with no money, couldn't do as good a job as Pep Guardiola is doing with Man City
1: right now. I, I, that's certainly an interesting thing, because any manager with a budget at Man City can easily buy success. I mean, the, all the talk about they were going to maybe get Messi when he, it looked like he was leaving Barcelona, that shows you the money that they've got. If they're even in a, a serious conversation about bringing Messi to Manchester this is a club that can just buy their way out of trouble. Now, I haven't been watching their games. I don't know how bad they are. As I said, I just saw they were mid-table and it's like, how the hell has that happened? But I, I think in Pep's case, he's bought himself a little bit of time in one regard because of his track record. But when you've got that money behind you, your room for error is surely like really, really small. Someone like Arteta... He doesn't have the track record, so I am surprised that he isn't getting criticism talked about as going. I know it's it's nice in a way because you want managers to get time. It's something that, that doesn't happen very often. We launched in 2019 over here, the Canadian Premier League, and one of the clubs fired a manager in, in after the first season. One of the other clubs, they finished bottom of the standings, kept a manager, gave him time, and they got to the championship game this year. So sometimes you do need to give a manager a little bit of time. But no, I mean, it is interesting. It does seem one rule for some clubs, one rules for others. I guess it's friends in the media because they're big clubs. If you piss them off and you start calling for the manager's head and then they turn things around, you suddenly don't get the access maybe that you would maybe have been getting. I I remember having a, a conversation with Carl Robinson here when he was the Whitecaps coach. And he said, look, you don't become a bad manager overnight. He said, every year in every league around the world, there's only one champion. Not everyone can be champions. Some leagues don't even have relegation like in MLS. So, I mean, you don't become a bad manager overnight like Pep. He's still a good manager. Someone like Arteta, though, as I was saying, it's like he has to prove himself. I would think he should be in danger. Just like the clubs at the bottom, like Sheffield United. What's happened to them this season? One point for the whole thing, <laughs> it's yeah, <laughs> maybe that is why. <laughs> um,
2: so I mean, the, my point is, is like, as somebody that likes Manchester United, you know, he seems to, to get a, a whole lot of abuse. Um, you know, every time Manchester United have a bad game, but Arteta and Guardiola seem to get a free ride, and, and for another part, Frank Lampard. You know, don't get me wrong, he's, he's done an okay job with Chelsea. I don't think he's setting the world on fire by any sets. But I was listening to Talk Sport this morning, and they said Oliver Solskjaer wouldn't get another job in, in the Premier League if if he left Manchester United, and that Wayne Rooney shouldn't get the, the Derby job. And I was a bit like, mm, well, you know, if if you've had the career that Wayne Rooney's had, or the career that Olegon or Solskjaer's had. You know, surely you're, you're entitled to, to mm. show what you're capable of.
1: Because then you could say, what about Frank Lampard, as you said? What about Steven Gerrard? I mean, they walked into prime jobs. Yeah. And you, you've had the likes of like, you you always get like Roy Keane and Robbie Keane bandied about as potential management opportunities. Like over here, Robbie Keane was linked with getting the Los Angeles Galaxy job. And it's like, he's got no track record as being a, a coach. Why? But it's a named player. So some guys do get to walk in. I, I think Ollie got the, the Man U job because obviously of his connections with Man United. I, I do think that is pr- possibly true, though, that right now he wouldn't get another job in the, in the Premier League, but he could easily walk in a job in the Championship, take them up and then do well in the Premier League. I just think there's going to be some clubs in the Premier League that will have a prejudiced opinion, rightly or wrongly, about, about what he's done there.
2: Well, here's here's the flip side of that. So they said that Frank Lampard would get another job in the top six. Manchester United finished ahead of Chelsea in the the league last year after putting together a run towards the end of the season. So why does Frank Lampard get the, the shout ahead of, of Ollie? Is it because he's English?
1: No, very, very, very possibly. And I, I don't agree that Lampard deserves one of the top six teams, because I don't think he does. I don't think he's done a a great job at Chelsea. Again, when you look at what they've got money-wise behind him, he could have done a lot better than he's currently doing. But yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked before about foreign managers maybe getting a little bit of a a raw deal here, and that definitely plays into England, Scotland, wherever you are, there's guys in the media... That just want guys from that country to to be in the management jobs, and any foreign manager is going to get a tough time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We'll wrap up our our, our Premier League chat now. I think we we, we do want to primarily remain a, a Scottish football podcast, but you know we do have a lot of listeners that like English football too. So just thought we would spice up your life on a on your Sunday morning this week, particularly since we didn't give you a, a show last week. We thought, why the hell not? We'll add on an extra section yeah. this week.
1: Yeah, just make, just talk as much as we can. I mean, it's big teams. Fans have different kind of expectations. So getting it back to Scottish football, we've seen that here. I mean, we we're talking about Rangers and Celtic earlier. I just could not believe. I was genuinely appalled when I saw the reaction of Celtic fans after that defeat to, to Ross County. Yeah, it was a bad defeat. Yes. Neil Lennon is having a nightmare. I really can't believe that he's held on to the job, to be honest. It's just incredible to me. If you're talking about managers going, he's surely... Like if they want to turn things around, I, he he basically needs to go. I think that's the only thing that, that you can say about that. But the behaviour of the Celtic fans, A, crowding in a, during a pandemic when they're not even getting together, ripping down barriers, just injuring police officers... It's entitlement, and it's like, you've just won, what is it, treble-treble they've got under the belt now? Mm. They've got nine championships in a row. They're having one season of adversity. And I know it's a big season. They want to get to 10 in a row, bragging rights, blah, blah, blah. We'd never hear the end of it. It's kind of good if no team ever gets to 10 in a row because just it's going to be unbearable if they do they've already got bragging rights in a way because they've got two nine in a rows to one nine in a row but no you have one season of adversity you react like that and i I mean we we were talking a a little bit about it this shows why supporting a smaller team for me is way better because you've still got expectations but you don't have that entitlement like these big teams and the old firm fans do
2: no, I mean they're behaving like the Rovers did after we pumped them at Bayview, starting that <laughs> and chair and stuff. <laughs> uh,
1: but no, all joking aside, like y-
2: you've got to to despair at these morons. And you know, the, we've got to remember that they are just a small fraction of the Celtic fan base, they're obviously a massive club, but completely disgusting, abhorrent behaviour, something that you know you tend to see more down south than you, you see up here. And when when fans behave like that, they don't drag just their own club through the mud it's, the, it's an entire nation the it, it, Scottish football fans that, that do it and you know you hit the, hail, the, the, the nail on the head there and I'd said it to you previously during the week that the complete entitlement that they think that they should just steamroller teams like Ross County or whoever you know I, I even seen one of the fans last night on, on social media try to claim that Celtic are a bigger club than AC Milan I mean AC Milan have won count, countless Champions Leagues and European Cups and I've had players you know Maldini but Aze, Ronaldinho, I, Nesta, I could be here all day, Sador, you know, some of the biggest players in the world come from Milan, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, they, they keep popping into my head. So to, to have that sense of entitlement is, is completely ridiculous and, and it really does hit home why sporting a small team is better. You know, have, having openly admitted an affiliation for the, one of the sides of Glasgow in, in previous shows, which I can't mention because Phil Charlie I chins me every time I mention it, you know, I, I couldn't care less about either of them, I genuinely couldn't, but I would much rather go through a, a couple of years of, you know, sort of turmoil at a lower club and have a great club run, um, cup run or you know, win, win the league or get into the playoffs or something like that. But when you watch a team that wins all the time, you don't get that. You don't get that high.
1: That, well, that's, that's the thing. And like they've had all this years of success and a lot of it, they were completely unchallenged because Rangers yeah. had obviously fallen away. And they're a big team. Rangers are a big team. And in terms of Scottish football, they are massive clubs. In terms of UK football, they're they're big clubs, maybe not as massive when you look at some of the money in England. In terms of European football, they're large clubs. In terms of world football, no, they're they're up there. Folk know about Rangers and Celtic, but it's basically it's a two horse race. It's like they're trying to decide who's the biggest giraffe, and there's only two giraffes in the enclosure. That that's really what it is, and there's no doubting that when you're used to success and you don't get it i'm sure it hurts but when you're a small club every successful thing means a lot more like when you haven't won a championship for 60 years then you you deliver that it means so much when you then deliver another one less than 10 years later it's like oh you kind of feel spoiled in a way because it's like oh we've had two championships in 10 years i i I can't imagine. Maybe maybe it's just us. Maybe we've missed out on on having success because this is just what we're used to. But I, I'll, I'll give you an example. On Thursday, um, Alfonso Davies, many of you all know, plays for Bayern Munich. He was named the, the Canadian Soccer Player of the Year. So he was on a, a conference call on Thursday that I was on. So I was chatting to him and it, it got me thinking. His first year and a half, two years at Bayern, He's won the league twice He's won the German Cup twice He's won the Champions League Where do you go after that? It's like, it's only downhill after that I I wouldn't really want to be in that position As a player or a fan It's like, if you're just constantly having success Like Celtic have had It must be weird to, to lose a game of football Yep, yeah, we lost a cup game 2-0 I, I Just, it's crazy
2: it's kind of like your sex life, though, and you, you
1: peak early, don't you? And, you know, you, you go out My, my and... what? I, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand that phrase after 18 years of marriage. Well, after the uh,
2: seven, I could probably understand where you come from. That, but exactly my point is, you know, you peak early and you get lots of it, and then when it, you get older, you get none. So, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen to Alfonso Davies. He's an absolutely wonderful player. I mean, the... The meteoric rise, as you can only describe, uh, his career has been excellent. From from playing MLS at eighteen to to going and winning the Champions League with Bayern a few years later, and you know I watch him on TikTok and stuff. I think he's absolutely hilarious. He's yeah. so down to earth.
1: Actually, let's. I I just wasn't what we're going to talk about. It. We're going off track here, but let's talk about that. Like players like him, they've captured a, a whole. Younger generation because they're on TikTok. His girlfriend Jordan Hutama is over in France, and like the two of them have their their kind of relationships and their YouTube channels and, and stuff. And it, the modern day footballer is so different to what it was back in the day. Now I, I've known Fonzie since he was fifteen. I actually did his first ever interview. It was before he signed his first pro deal when he was playing USL which is the league below MLS with the Whitecaps. So I, I he was down uh, away in preseason I did a phone interview with him. So I, I've done his first ever interview. And he's always been humble from the start to even yesterday. And you've got all this worldwide popularity. You've got just folk Saying, oh yeah, th- this great guy and oh, this future ahead of him—one of the best left backs in the world—which is crazy because he was a, a winger and a striker when he played for us here. But it's, he's humble and he keeps his feet on down to earth, and he knows what he's wanting. And then turning that to like Celtic fans who are on a different planet because their team lost one game of football. So it's yeah, swings and roundabouts. Easy anyway enough of just wandering off about talking about other things let's get to one of our regular segments now it's have you heard i was going to pick the song this week but lee has got a cracker lined up instead so tell us what you've got for us lee so
2: somebody in in a band that i've spoken about before in sergeant lead singer nick mercer has started his own solo project and i've I've known nick for probably the best part about 14 years now so in fact 15 years so Delighted to bring to you his first solo single. It's called Will You Be My Baby under his moniker of Nicky Lip. So we're going to bring that to you now. Let us know your thoughts at Glory Days of Gold on Twitter. And yeah, give it a listen, give it a stream. You'll find it on YouTube and hopefully it'll be up on the, the sort of usual streaming platforms such as Spotify, etc. soon. But yeah, once again, here he comes, Nicky Lip. Will You Be My Baby?
6: There's so much I want to say to you all of the time. But I don't know where you are or how to reach you So much that I can talk about and I would be fine But I don't know how to get you here Something I can't do without Something I can't change I can live without you Never felt this way When these feelings are gonna be strong You just have to keep holding on And I will be fine But I don't know how to get you here Something I can't do without Something I can't change Somehow I can't live without you never felt this way Be strong You just have to keep holding on
2: Nicky Lip with Will You Be My Baby. Great, great song. Excellent vocals in it as well. You know, Nick's something that we've always had a bit of a laugh about because he always sung in a Mancunian accent, having been a massive Oasis fan um, in his teens and his early 20s. But he's really developing his own sound there. Sort of notes of Richard Ashcroft. And maybe a touch of Bob Dylan in there in terms of the lyrics and stuff. I'll be interested to hear anybody else's thoughts. Please do let us know what you think on social media.
1: Yeah, I, I quite like that. That was, a, that was a good one. And yeah, check it out. Support Local Talent. We're very big on that here at Glory Days of Gold. And yeah, fin- fantastic song. Great talent. It's great to to see that he's launching a, a solo career. Sargent had some really good stuff over the years. And I, I know a lot of our listeners in, enjoyed listening to them. So all the best to, to Nicky with a, his new song. We'll have another Have You Heard next week. Now, one piece of sad news that we want to talk about in this week's show because we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week is a Scottish World Cup icon has sadly passed away. Oh, Diego Maradona. He put the English out. out, out. Yes, I I played that little snippet at the the start of my AFD and soccer show the the last time. Always a, a fun song to be singing. But yeah, Passed away at the age of 60. Some interesting stuff coming out though this week that they might be looking at manslaughter charges against his doctor. So, I mean, yeah, we won't get into all of that. But, I I mean, a a talent. You won't have seen him in some of his heyday Lee, because you're just a young whippersnapper. I remember when he went to Napoli and they used to show the Italian games on Channel 4 back in the day obviously you weren't around for the the 86 world cup which is still such a an iconic moment one of my my favorite ways for england to have got knocked out of any tournament over the years but i mean just what what's your thoughts on on maradona he's obviously had a bit of a, a checkered past off the pitch there's been like addiction issues some d- domestic violence claims against him and stuff as well but no doubt in that that on the pitch he's right up there with one of the, the best footballers that's ever lived. You know, is is a continental Gaza, isn't he? You know,
2: you can't take away his complete and obvious talent. You know, I've, my dad used to show me well, show me him on on the TV and watch him on YouTube. But my father-in-law, you know, the, the guy is essentially Messi of the of a La Liga, and I think there'll always be the the sort of comparisons drawn between messi and maradona but you know there's no denying an absolutely excellent player and a massive mess for for world football i like the fact that um i read that his international debut was against scotland mm-hmm. and then his international management debut was was against scotland yeah. too. so um it, it, he's, he's spoken about the, his love for the scottish people in the past and you know i I'm very, very sad. You know, he's, he's ages with my dad and you know, it always puts these sort of thoughts in your head when, when you hear somebody, because 60 is young now. Yeah. Sixty is young. So um, definitely upsetting to to her day's death. And you know, he's he's definitely a character. Um, you know, his book where he spoke about the, the goal against England being his revenge for the, the Falklands war and you know, I, I think he's definitely somebody that 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 speaks what he thinks. And for another story that I loved, I don't know if anybody else has caught that, and I'll, I'll tell you that now, was a time that Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher met Yes. And he'd been at, a, I think it was like a music festival. Yeah. And they spoke to Maradona's aide and said, look, we want to go meet Maradona, the whole band. And he said, no, the only two people that are getting to go up were Noel and Liam. The rest of the band weren't allowed. So they went up, had some photos taken, them, had some general chit-chat, and then basically it was all through an interpreter because Maradona couldn't speak English. And then the aide turns to Liam and no says, look, Diego's asked me to tell you that if you try to take any of these bitches that he has with him tonight, then he'll have you both murdered by the time that you leave.
1: <laughs> and I believe he probably would have.
2: Yeah, I do too. I mean there's, there's videos on YouTube where people are standing around him while he's in the dugout so he could take a line of cocaine. I mean the, the guy's completely obviously been on another planet at some point and you know addiction yeah. issues is, is, is going to affect your heart. There's there's no two ways around that. So yeah. I don't know how um much that the claims will be substantiated, but we suppose we'll find that in the in the coming weeks. But yeah.
1: definitely
2: a massive I mean, loss.
1: The, the other iconic World Cup moment for him as well was at the 94 World Cup in America where he runs wide-eyed to the the camera and then fails the drugs test not long after that, unsurprisingly. But, I mean, it it's kind of crazy to think guys like him, George Best, Gaza, like, on the pitch, just amazing talents, but just the the demons that they kind of fought off the pitch and everything that, that went through it. I mean, it's sad. I think when I mean, we are talking about Fonzie earlier, feet on the ground, being humble and, and stuff like that. I think players, though, nowadays have better support mechanisms around them. And maybe back in the day, it would have helped someone like Maradona. I don't know if he would have listened. Like George Best as well. I don't know if he would have listened. I don't know if Gaza would have listened. But I think players nowadays... You don't hear about it as much. I think Paul Merson's maybe one of the most high-profile ones of recent years that's just had a really bad battle on on and off. But a lot of the current crop, you you don't really hear about that. It might just be that they're better at keeping stuff out of the media. But I do think when you when you look at that, it's kind of hard. I think for some people then to to separate the on-pitch Maradona from the the off-pitch Maradona. And that's a shame because, I mean, where would you rank him in in terms of world football? And I know it's kind of hard to measure because the game changes. But I mean, nowadays, everyone talks about Messi and Ronaldo. You had Maradona. Before that, you had Pele. Before that, you had even the likes of Puskas and things like that. It's different eras. It's hard to maybe say how they would equate. But I mean, for me, Maradona is right up there. I I do think... Messi and Ronaldo are probably better but I think he might be top three top four have peli in the equation there as well
2: yeah people always find my opinion on peli controversial but you know peli never tested himself in Europe and I I, I think that definitely you know, don't get me wrong, he's, he's scored goals at World Cups and stuff and I, I don't take that away from him, but, you know, I I don't put Pele into the, the world greatest conversation because he, he only really did it in in Brazil and it and you know, sort of World Cup stage, you know, he never came across to Europe and tested himself in the big leagues. So, anyway, that's a, maybe a debate for another day and I look forward to the Barrage Abuse that I would probably receive for that one. But for me, you know, Maradona's got to be top three. I think in terms of natural talent, he's top two along with, with Messi and I think mm. that for me, you know, Maradona might just slightly edge Messi, maybe, um, but you know, Messi's done it consistently over a, a, a massive number of years, and he's, he's won pretty much everything you could win at club level, but not at international. Yes, It's probably on the other side for for Maradona. So you've got to. It's, it's a, a completely difficult conversation to have. Whereas for me, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. Is probably not as naturally talented as is Messi or Maradona, but has worked massively hard. He's won titles in England, he's won titles in Italy, he's won titles in Spain, he's won the Champions League five times. Um, he's won he, he pretty much single handedly won the Euros for for Portugal a few years ago as well. So it, it's I could be here all day discussing that. I, I really really could, but I think to answer your initial question, Maradona top three potentially top two.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I'd sadly never got to to see him play live. I've never seen Ronaldo play live. I was lucky enough to to see Messi play live a, a couple of years ago down in Seattle. Um, it would have been great to see him. His goals will live on in a long time. Have you seen any of the, the documentaries? There's a, a good HBO one about his time at Napoli. I know there's a couple of other ones as well, but that's the only one that, that I've watched Definitely recommend checking that out if you haven't seen it. But I think there's going to be some more made, I'm sure, pretty soon as well, just about his whole life.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, his Autobiography is one that I've, I've meant to pick up on a, a few times. I love football autobiographies. And by the way, if anybody has one to recommend to me, then please do, because I'm, I'm burning through them. So um, definitely, if you've got any footballers autobiographies, let us know what your favourite ones are. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to need to mad, mad, mad on at that list. I tend to probably read more just around the my generation of footballers but I think that yeah some of the stuff that I've read from, from Maradona's one certainly seemed mm-hmm. a little bit interesting.
1: Well obviously Rachel listens to this show so there you go that's a little stocking stuffer. Probably yep. nothing from Rachel as per usual. Uh, does she not stuff her stocking well? Never, no. not, not in nearly 10 years. Uh, that's sad to hear. <laughs> now let's move on to this week's wavelength and I was Trying to find a song about Maradona. There's one that I do know by English punk band The Business, but obviously it's an English band singing about Maradona. So as you can imagine, it's not a very complimentary song. The the lyrics are basically Maradona, your shit. So I thought it's maybe not a nice song to play as a as a tribute. I don't know why they what they've got against him. It seemed a very nice gentleman. So what I've done is we talked on the last show about the band Slade, and of course it's Christmas time. Christmas songs, Slade that go hand in hand and I revealed that they actually have a football song, which surprised Lee. I said I was going to play it the next time I picked a Wavelength song so that was what we have tonight It's from 1978 It's not a fantastic song, but it's one of those songs that will stick in your head. It's that kind of catchy song as a lot of Slade ones are This is Give Us a Go." <laughs> to the There, naughty Holder. Give us a goal from 1978. Not what you would expect from the band, but if you think about it, the glam bands from the 70s, they, they're kind of just like football supporters, all their fans, because Bay City Rollers, Slade, Mud, all their fans waved... Like scarfs about and dressed up and stuff So very much like football supporters From back in the day in the 1970s So you can let us know what you think about that one It's a little bit of a unique song By a unique band I love it and it is going to be stuck in your head But that's nearly it for this week's show We're going to finish though with our mailbag It's it's been a pretty quiet mailbag But we got a very exciting direct message this week now, on this week's show, we aren't featuring our fun section, Anyone Fancy a Chocolate Digestive. One thing to, to talk about that section, the theme song, and we've talked about it before, and I, I folk regularly ask me, and I, I let them know who it's by. It's by a band called The New Royal Family. And I've mentioned on the show before, they're named that because they're big Adam and the Ants fans, and they were part of the London scene that involved like Art Brut and stuff back in the day. Now, the lead singer, David Burnett, he got in touch with us this week, Lee.
2: Yeah, it was completely obscure. We just got a tweet out of the blue and it was just found out that one of my songs is being used as the the title and theme of a section in in this podcast. And he was absolutely over the moon and then we ended up messaging um, directly, of course, over the course of a week. And, you know, I think we might have a new listener. He's, He's... not a football fan, but he's decided to pick his, his Fife as, um, as his new team and, and he's even tweeted one the Fife this week. So I think we've definitely made some success. Don't know if he quite uh, counts in a um, a celebrity account because then obviously we were trying to say that we need to get yes. a celebrity <laughs> So I don't know if we can quite class him as a celebrity, but we'll take a win nonetheless. And it was absolutely probably the most bizarre thing since we've started the podcast, but amazing nonetheless.
1: Yeah, it's, It was fantastic for me because I've been playing the song on my show here since 2017. How he found it, we still have to get to the the bottom of it. We're going to get him on the show. So we're going to hopefully get him on our Christmas special and then we'll feature it on the AFD and soccer show as well. uh, Our chat with him. But they're a good band. I have uh, Artists of the Month section on my show over here and we actually featured them last December. Where we played some of their other songs, so you can find a lot of their stuff on YouTube. They they didn't have tons of songs out over the years. The the B side though to the Anyone Fancy a Chocolate Digestive single is the Cornflakes Family, which he, David suggested he rewrote for the Cowden family, and we're trying to encourage him to do that. So maybe we will get our an East Five song done after all. We've been trying yeah. to push for this. All our segments are now coming together. That's
2: it. You know, we're, we're putting the worlds to write week by week. I, I mean, I think, what is this, episode 26 now? Yes. Which is completely mental. That's half a year. Oh, so um, it is. <laughs> we've, we've been doing this now. So happy six months, Michael. That and thank I'm going to ask it to share the, with anybody else, maybe somebody more sexually attractive, but you want to know what, you win some, you lose some.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That sentiment for myself as well, just looking at my, my face, my big bald head as I, I stare at this just now. But... Yeah, it's been a fun, fun half of the year. Football has maybe not been the best to to talk about. Let's hope that picks up a little bit into to next year, because it's more fun when you're talking about positive things. But we've had some positivity to chat about with that. But yeah, I mean, it's great. One of the, the songs I played in Wavelength was by a band called Serious Drinking. And then I started, someone tagged the lead singer of that saying, hey, I heard your band's song on this Vancouver Whitecaps podcast. And then I started chatting to him. So it's quite weird how how these things kind of, and he was like cock-a-hoop as well that his song was getting featured on, on Canadian radio. So yeah, need, need to, to get David to claim all his royalties from the, the Canadian broadcasting system that we've played over the years. You he, he might be able to buy a new car at this rate. Yeah, we, we've played it a lot. And the, the section and I, I want to have this as well for East Five. we do it now whenever we sign a, a new player at the Whitecaps that speaks English because there's not often a lot of them that do that we always do this section with them we've done it with some that don't speak English very well and it's very confusing to them but we always say you're not a Whitecaps player until you've answered this question so we should do this now with East Fife any new signings you're not an East Five player until you've answered this question
2: yeah, I think what I'll do is, is down at Bayview tomorrow, I'll see if there's anybody I could grab, and maybe that is my fantastic to ask the yes. question. Yes,
1: yeah. Actually, any time that you're speaking to any players, get that in, and any player as well that we've not had to do a bumper, do that as well. Because yeah. that's what I've just done over the years, you just randomly stop players. I've got players from around MLS for different teams doing the bumper to my show, so yeah. Might as well. Anyway, that is it. But we want more in our mailbag. We want to to get your all-time 11s we want we still haven't done this right back we need to get into this right back thing Lee you've dropped the ball in this one get that back up there on our socials Um, away day memories whatever you've got hard men let us know we we did the new section as well or the, the new question tonight let us know the worst football food that you have had as well I've had some very generic pies at some of the the English grounds that I've gone to in recent years as well Pucker pies are not that great, but a a lot of the the teams, because I've gone to see a lot of Wimbledon games over the last few years. Anytime I'm over, I try and make sure, because I have to fly in and out of London, I try and coincide it with a Wimbledon game. So I've managed to do that. And pucker pies just seem to be the the regular pie there. My last Mm -hmm. trip over in February, actually, it just seemed to be me taking pictures of pies. I was at four games that I had a pie at in the space of two weeks. yeah. As I said, healthy diet. But that That's pretty much it for me. Anything else you want to say before we go, Lee? No, just once again, thanks
2: to our sponsors. There's so many. I'm not named, we call you all individually again, but really, really appreciate your, your continued support. And thanks to you all. Um, we we sort of to rallied to, to see if we could get some more listeners. And our, our listeners did peak again, so um, we have had a little bit of an uplift in that. Make sure that you you, you tag and share um, our podcast with any of your friends or family. You know, We don't just talk solely, East five. There is a mishmash of content, so let us know. I, I shall hear yeah. tonight. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and look, you, whether you, it's for uh, even just to listen to the music, whether it's to, to to listen to the rest of the Scottish football stuff, let us know. I also shouted out this week about your Spotify Unwrapped. So basically, every year Spotify tell you what you've been listening to the most, and a few yeah. of our listeners got in touch telling us that um, the glory days ago was up there with our top listen to podcast So really really appreciate that so if if we have managed to make it into your spotify wrap, take a little screenshot for us and pop it up on social media so we could share that
1: oh that would be fantastic yeah i i have spotify but i don't really use it because i'm still old-fashioned i like to play cds i just like to to drive around playing cds and yeah old-fashioned so let everyone know though where they can find you online you can find me at,
2: on Twitter. It's probably the best place. So at VG1903. And of course, our, um, our Twitter pages at Glory
1: Days of Gold. And you can find me on Twitter. Best place to get me is at AFT in Canada. But you can also find me at, at AFT in website. Check out both of AFTN sites: the East Five stuff on aftn.co.uk, North American stuff on aftn.ca, and if you haven't checked out the AFTN Soccer Show podcast as well, and you want some more podcast content, check that out as well. Got a lot of interviews and a lot of things coming out in that just now. Hopefully, be sitting down with Johnny Russell for a, a chat in the the coming weeks. His team just got knocked out of the MLS playoffs. He was absolutely gutted last night when I was on a call with him. I couldn't even bring myself to, to ask a question Tim. But that is it for this week's show. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care and more the Fife. Going to your first match is an
3: experience you'll never forget.